streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. What is up, everybody? Special summer edition of a podcast for you. Taylor Ripless and yours truly, I'm Joey Powell. We are here with Inside Carolina's The Players Lounge, brought to you by our friends at Heels for Life. All right, thanks for being here. As I said before the break, Taylor Ripless, I'm Joey Powell. We got a special guest today in the Players' Lounge, Cayman Rucker, uh, the butcher. Vip, you ready to cut some meat? You got your, you're going to punch in? You ready to cut some meat, man? Yeah. For, for the audio-only crowd, I'm making some kind of meat <laughs> chopping gesture right now. He's being very vicious with the chops <laughs> across his screen. But uh, this show specifically, if you didn't hear the one with Tommy and Vip and Drake May last week, um, it was a good intro to what we're going to do with this series, but it's brought to you by our friends at Heels for Life. Heelsforlife.org. That's heels number four life.org. That is the UNC football uh, NIL collective. If you want to support UNC football players uh, through NIL, go to Heels for Life, sign up, find out how you can be a monthly supporter. You can do it annually, whatever. You get access to all kinds of stuff there, uh, including special player content, um, autograph items. Uh, you can shop the store, all different ways that you can help support Carolina football athletes through the NIL Collective, through Heels for Life. Shout out to my main man, Graham Boone. He's the head of director over there at Heels for Life. Uh, great guy. He's done a lot of work to help get this partnership off the ground. And yeah, like I said, Vip, we've got, um, I keep wanting to call him Jack Rucker because he plays the Jack position, but Cayman Rucker uh, has joined us. You know, this is the, this is the second edition of one of these, but, but Cayman, we're going to come to you first. Uh, guy out of Georgia, what were your earliest memories of Carolina? Early, my earliest moments of Carolina. Well, it's funny <clears throat> that um, on my mom's side, I have an uncle, man. He's um, I love him to death, but he's always had this this obsession with UNC. He's always saying that he was from North Carolina, even though this, his butt was born in Georgia. And, um, you know, he was just like, I'm like, his name is um, Eric Starks. And I was like, I'm like, okay, Eric, where are you from, man? And he was like, oh, I'm from North Carolina. I was like, but weren't you born here? No, nope, I was born in North Carolina. And so um, it just started off from there. And that was like my earliest moments in North Carolina. And it's just, um, it's funny how that leads all the way up until, you know, I come up for camp and I get an offer. I'm committed. I've been here for a couple of years. And until this day, this man still says that he was born in North Carolina. Things hasn't changed, even though I've been at this school for three odd years. So it's just, that's probably my earliest, my earliest moment in North Carolina. And it's funny how it's trailed all the way to um, with me to this point. What was your recruiting process like being somebody in Georgia and and maybe not as highly recruited as somebody like the person we just talked to, Drake Met? Um, well, for me being from Georgia, man, Georgia is one of the one of the hotbeds here um in the states where it comes to football and in this recruiting and the athletes that we produce. 
And so obviously I come from um, a very high level of competition, but um, I know with me coming from a very small school, I understood that with my, with my stature as well, that I had to, I had to put myself out there. I couldn't just stay in one area. I had to go to places where, you know, where eyes were going to be watching me. So I had to venture out. I went through all types of different college camps that you name, and I went to, um, there was even the one that me and my parents always will remember is that we went on this little camp trip to where we started. Um, it was about going into, I think it was going into my junior year. I started to um, make that official transition to outside linebacker at a defensive end position in my high school. Um, we started at the University of South Carolina um, when Muschamp was still there. And then as I'm getting out of the camp, I get a call from Southern Mississippi. Hey, we want you to come down there for the camp. And I'm looking at my parents and I'm like, all right, so what are we finna do? And they were like, well, y'all go ahead and get some snacks. We finna hit the road. So next thing you know, we go from Columbia, South Carolina, all the way down to Hattiesburg, Mississippi. We go to a camp down there. And I put on a show over there. The coaches love me and stuff like that. And um, next thing you know, I get a call from one of the other coaches at the time that was at Alabama. And they were like, listen, we heard about you. We want you to come to a camp as well. I looked at my parents and I'm like, hey, what are we finna do? Next thing you know, we head over there to Tuscaloosa. And so in a span of two days, I even went on, I went to three different camps in two days. And so that's just an example of the grind that I had to be on just in a, just in a nutshell, just because of me being six, one, six, one and a half, you know, like I'm not as tall as the other outside linebackers. They look for the, the slim two twenty five, two thirty, um, six four, six five guys. And I'm here standing at six one, barely breaking six one, and I'm probably around two forty, two forty five. And so it was just like, for me, I never got it easy in my recruiting, but I feel like that um alongside with that has also helped me to build character and how I am. Um, I always play, I always practice, I always compete with a chip on my shoulder. I don't care if it's practice, I don't care if it's a game or anything. It's just like I've always competed with a um, heavy chip on my shoulder, just always um, willing to prove people wrong just because I'm a certain stature that you're not used to. That doesn't mean that I'm just not going to um, go out there and compete and perform to the best of my ability. And so um, just uh, that's just kind of how my recruiting has been. It's been a very tough ride. But like I said, I feel like it's built character for myself and it's allowed me to get to the point where I'm here today. I love to hear about that cross-country trip that you took with with your parents going from camp to camp and just that grind of being somebody who who was under-recruited. And I'm glad you mentioned your dad because you're not the first Rucker on an IC podcast. Your dad has been a guest before. I love seeing him at, at the games and, and just being able to just talk with him. Not even It doesn't even have to be about football. He's just a, a great guy to talk to. Can you speak a, a little bit more about the influence your parents have had have played in your life and just the the support that they've given you to where you do get a, a message from Southern Miss and your parents are willing to, you know, drop everything to to support your dreams? Oh, boy, where do I start? Um just man, I thank God for him every day. You know, I I pray every night before I go to bed and um, one of the prayers that I include is just like, you know, protect my friends and family who are sick and injured. And if they're not, please still watch over them and keep them happy, keep them healthy and keep them safe. And that in that prayer includes even my parents. And, um, you know, they've been very supportive, very loving, very understanding. 
um, and everything that I've done. Um, even they continuously say, even if I didn't play football, they still be proud of me, even though my dad will probably still have a small hunt in the back of his head, like this boy should have been playing. But, you know, luckily, you know, I, um, me playing football is allowed to, like my dad to travel, it's allowed my mom to see different places, it's allowed my dad to coach me along the way. Um, I just, I just thank God for them, honestly, man. They've been supporting me ever since I started playing this sport. And um, like I said, it's like with the um, cross country camp journeys, man, it's just like, it's, it's not easy doing that, you know, just like, obviously just getting a spontaneous text and more and Lord knows my mom is not good with spontaneous events. <laughs> so next thing you know, we're getting a text from different coaches saying, Hey, we want came in at the camp. We want came in at this camp. And there you are like three hours plus in each destination. And for my parents to put down everything, that they got going on on the back end. And during this time, my dad was pursuing his doctorates of education at the time. Um, and so he's obviously got a lot on his plate. Mom's got a lot of different stuff. She's handling behind the scenes. And so for them just to put down what they had going on, which is very important for them, um, and just to support me in my dream and my hustle and what I want to do and what I want to accomplish, man, that's, that's, that's a perfect example of love, man. Just sacrificing what you got going on to, help please somebody else or just to help somebody support somebody. And they've been doing that for 21 years. So, you know, I can't, I can't thank them enough, man. They've been a great support system for me. They still come to every home game, um, any away game that they can. And like you said, you talked to my dad, y'all have seen my dad before, man, that joke is a live wire. So, you know, just with him being the way that he is, man, he, um, he set the standard for my, he set a standard for me at a young age and he's set one for myself until, you know, when I got to the age where like now my standards, it has exceeded his and I wanted to accomplish what I want to because of what I want to do. And so, man, he set the tone for me. My mom is just a great woman of God. She just speaks truth in everything that I've done. She's given me great advice, great wisdom. She's a very awesome person. So just having both of them in the same house, man, I couldn't thank them enough. And I appreciate for everything that they've done for me and all the sacrifices and the support they've been showing me over the years. Came in, I know the parents that are listening to this show are going to be re really tickled to hear you say that. Um, one of the things that you've shared just now and, and, and a lot of other, other interviews that you've done is how much that your faith is a part of your identity. How do you tie that into football? You know, you mentioned the prayer earlier, but how, how do you tie your faith into, you know, whether it's uh, regular practices, whether it's getting up for a game day, whether it's, you know, again, trying to to pray for you and your teammates' safety. How does how does your faith tie into your game prep? Well, just it just starts off even before I even play football. Faith is just my, like you said, faith is just in my identity. And it's just who I am. And I feel like, you know, without God, without Jesus, I wouldn't be where I'm at today just to be able to stay relatively healthy during my years here at North Carolina um, having as minimal injuries as possible throughout my life. Um, just, you know, him blessing me to play at this level because, you know, through everybody else's eyes, I was supposed to be playing at a group of five level. I'm supposed to be playing at a smaller school, you know, like I'm not even supposed to be here. Um, but, you know, just keeping my head down, staying humble, staying in my faith, you know, and um, my parents are also playing a great deal out of this as well. They've, um, they are very, I grew up in a very, um, heavily Christian household. So a very religious lifestyle. And so it's just like everything that I've done, everything, everything I've accomplished, even my ups and my downs, my best days and my worst days. Um, I thank God still um, till this day. 
And so it's just like, even if it's something like for in terms of football, it's just like, you know, when I have a bad practice or a good practice, a bad game or a good game, I got to thank God for it because there's some people that no matter what the outcome would have been in this game, they would love to be in my shoes as well. And so whether that they, um, you know, they missed the open field tackle that resulted for a touchdown or you got the game saving sack, somebody would still love no matter if it's a good day or a bad day. They would love to be where I'm at today. So I can't just go around and taking days for granted or taking moments for granted or taking every play for granted and not thanking God for it because I I don't have to be here. He sent me here. And so, you know, it's just like and one thing that my um mom has also told me as well is because she is also a minister at um she's not even at that's this is how godly she is. She's not even a minister at her own church. She ministers everywhere. So it's just like she passes wisdom wherever she goes. And so one of the things was um, she touched on it a couple of weeks ago where um, when things get tough and like you feel like you're going on your own time, just wait. Resurrection's coming and you got to be on God's time. And so, you know, there's been some times where I've had, I've had some bad days. I've had an injury before. I've got hurt in the middle of a game before and it resulted in me not being able to produce as much as I want to the next game. Um, I've been in, you know, I've had some stuff that's happened to me mentally. You know, it's just like there's some things like I'm not perfect, but um, I just thank God for every day that I'm still here, that I'm still breathing, that I'm still able to play the game that he's provided me to. And, you know, just being around these group of guys that I call my teammates, that I call my brothers and everything that um expands out throughout that. So it's just like, you know, that's that's how I keep my faith in my identity. That's how I related to football. That's how I related to who I am in my entire life. And God just. He moves through my life and that's how it's going to, that's how it's been. That's how it is. And that's how it's going to be. I love that perspective. I, I have to imagine when you said your, your mom was a minister, her and her and Mitch Mason must've hit it off from day one. one once uh, she started getting around campus. They ain't skipping, man. And I, and I can also say this, Mitch is one of the main reasons why I came here. Mm. Mitch is genuinely one of the main reasons why I came to this school. Never been. A, I've I've met a lot of people who are just God filled. I've met a lot of people like that, and Mitch Mason is definitely top five. And I could not thank that man enough for. I could not thank God enough for man, for putting that man in, in my life. Honestly, he's went through a lot. He's still going through a lot. You take a one glance at this man, you would not think he's battling the stuff that he's battling. But the thing is, when I first got to this campus. And he met my parents and he met me. He was just like, I want to talk to y'all. And we brought him up to the fifth floor where um above where um Keenan Football Stadium is. And he just let he just just spoke to us. Nothing, nothing crazy, nothing. This wasn't even official. He just grabbed us, introduced himself, and wanted to talk to us. And I promise you, we were probably on the fifth floor for 45 minutes. We had coaches and other administrators looking for us, talking about that. I was on my official visit at this time. And um, there was like, where's Cayman? Where's Kendall? Where's Christy? Where's all them? They're looking <laughs> for it. We're up on the fifth floor having a heart to heart with Mitch. Mitch got him. <laughs> yeah. yeah like, no, but nobody knew where we were. And so they finally come up to the fifth floor and they'd be like, oh, there y'all guys are. And Mitch was like, oh, was I taking that top? I'm so sorry. Listen, y'all, thank y'all so much. Like, he was, Mitch was one of the most genuine people I've ever met, one of the most God filled people I've ever met. And it just, warms my heart to still see that he's here with us today but um but yeah 
definitely one of the main reasons why I came here, man. He just had a spirit of no other that I met. Um, so just shout out to Mitch Mason, man. He's 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 a man for real. He he was top two of my favorite people when I played football at Carolina, and he wasn't number two. He was not <laughs> number. <laughs> Mitch Mitch was my guy. But Cameron, what? Going back to football, what's your earliest memory when you remember thinking on on a field like I am good enough to play at a level like North Carolina or or even beyond in in, in the NFL where everybody kind of dreams of? Um, honestly, I've had this conversation with um a lot of people. It's like I didn't really my dreams of playing football didn't come to fruition until going into my senior year. And that was this was also still going on when I'm receiving all my offers. You know, I had a great junior season. I had a breakout junior season because nobody knew me. I went from switching to O-line to D-line, playing defensive and outside linebacker. So nobody knew me. Nobody knew that I went to this school pretty much my entire life. And so, you know, just like I'm still getting offers and stuff. But what really solidified it was um, obviously I got um, one of the breakout, one of the breakout awards. Um according to the Atlanta journal. And I just started competing at camps and started winning them. And these are guys that they, that the co- that individual colleges have offered. Um, these are guys that are ranked. These are guys that are getting a lot of power five attention and I'm coming in and I'm killing everybody they put in front of me when they feel like they can, they got a guy. I was like, Oh yeah, we got a guy that can stop him. No, you don't. And so it's like, that's kind of like when you, when I've hit that, I think I'm cut out for this. Like, it's just like, that's when it started clicking in my head. And of course, like confidence had start to kick in and things of that nature. My, um, my, um, my game has gotten better. I've started to slow down. I started working on different moves and stuff. Like, of course I've, I progressed in my learning of how to play the position, but that's like when I started winning a whole bunch of camps and winning awards at those camps and beating the guys that they feel like that could stop me. That's when I genuinely realized like, okay, I can do this. And I can be great at it. You're listening to the Players Lounge. It's a special IC feature brought to you by our friends at HeelsForLife.org, the official UNC football NIL collective. He's Taylor Ripless. I'm Joey Powell. We're talking to Cayman Rucker. Cayman, in that vein, you mentioned earlier about how you always play with a chip on your shoulder. And you know, you played at a, a, a lower, a smaller school in Georgia. Um, you mentioned earlier you know, you're undersized. And even now, people would say you're undersized. I know you switched to the jack position, but kind of the the thing that you hear announcers say and writers say, and, and us in Inside Carolina and, and message board posters, they always talk about kind of a dog mentality and the fact that you do play bigger than your your vitals, right? What does that look like when you're in a camp, when you're at a place like the opening, you know, winning the MVP, you know, in high school? Like, what does that sound like in your head? What's the internal dialogue for a guy that's got that kind of chip on his shoulder? Honestly, it is it may it gets me motivated. It gets me hyped up because what I'm hearing is that you're doubting me. What I'm hearing is is that you're giving me enough room to show you and whatever guy that you want to put in front of me a chance to lose. And so it's just like for me, it's just like I've always I've always been a competitive guy. And just hearing the fact that because I am not two inches taller than your best guy that I'm not worth giving time. And so it's just like, or that you're underestimating me. 
And so honestly, like I said, it's just like it just it just fueled me. It just gave me like the internal dialogue was like, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna let them talk to you about that like that? Like you're gonna really let them say something about you like that? It's kind of like that little like you got the angel and like the demon on your shoulder is just like listen, I don't think, like, you know, that you can you can let them say something like that, but, like, let's not go too crazy. And then you got, like, the little demon on my right was like, nah, mess them up. They don't deserve it. <laughs> so it's just like, like I said, I'm I'm a very godly man, but sometimes when it comes to the competitive side, I have I got to listen to that demon every now and then. And so it's just like, you know, that's kind of the internal dialogue with me. It's just like, you know, I, I hate to be denied. I hate hearing no. I hate hearing that, you know, I don't like you know, like this, let's not keep account of this guy right here. He's on the shorter side. Like he's not going to be a factor. The second that I hear that I automatically get motivated. And so it was just like, just throughout the camp circuit, high school, even till now, I still hear it, you know, like, and the one thing I've heard from my coaches is like, make, make the coaches or make coaches on your side, put you in and make other coaches game plan around you. And I've thought about that ever since I came here and that's kind of the impact that I want to leave. And that's the impact that I feel like I'm going to leave. It's just like, I want coaches to make me, I want my coaches to make me feel like I, they need me in and I want other coaches to game plan around me because if you don't, it's going to be an issue. We're seeing it right now, kind of with the Miami heat and, and Jimmy Butler in the NBA playoffs where it's like, I will take somebody with a dog mentality over yep. anything else. Like for this North Carolina football team, I would take 11 Kmon Ruckers out yep. there. I saw a picture of of a young Ruck. You were you were wearing the number 70 in a, a 70 heart jersey. You, you didn't look like <laughs> what you look like today. What's it like for you to reflect on, on the journey you've had to get to where you are today playing at a school like North Carolina? Man, honestly, it's just, you know, I I'm I'm still becoming the man, but I became the man that I wanted my younger self to look up to. And that's the biggest thing that I would say about that is just like, you know, like when I was younger, you know, we had guys that went that went to the league, but took the roughest path possible. You know, whether that's like not bashing it, but like, you know, they go to college, go JUCO, then they go to the Canadian Football League, or it's just like, you know, they went through all these different paths and it just seemed like, gosh, dang, like you just now get into the league, not in a negative connotation, but just like, you know, like, like, no, nobody got drafted. And um, so for us, um, for me, it's just like, I'm now becoming that guy that I wanted to see start off in this position, go to college at that college, finish through, graduate, and then eventually make it to the league in that path. And like I said, I'm still becoming that guy that um, that I want to still accomplish that because the job's not finished. I still want to graduate. I still want um, the NFL is still my hopes and dreams, and I feel like I can get there. But it's just like looking back over the little kid wearing number 70 at the middle school playing offensive line, just, you know, being that guy that used to chill, kick it with my dad on Saturdays watching um, college football um, watching primetime, all that kind of stuff, just being like, I'm going to be like that someday. To be that guy now that I wanted to be like watching it with my dad, man, it's just, uh, it's just a dream come true. It's a blessing. So I I reflect on that quite a lot, actually. So, Cayman, who were some guys that you like to pattern your game after? Again, you're, you're a different size, but you play 
so much bigger than than probably your ranking. And I, I I'm intrigued to see how you continue to expand on on that switch midseason to the jack position. Who do you who do you pattern your game after? Who's somebody that you see on TV and you're like, yeah, I, I want that move, or I'm ripping this move off of this guy. Like, who who do you who do you try to try to emulate? Um, I would say pro wise, I would say um guys like Khalil Mack, Von Miller, Nick Bosa. Those are guys that um right now, just like I really enjoy the um, the way they play the game. Um, or just even just going back a little bit even further, just like John Randall, um, Trent Cole, um, who's another one, um, Dwight Freedy. Those are guys that are just like I just really Robert Quinn, who is also a UNC alum, just guys that um I feel like that has played the outside linebacker position and dominated. Not because he said they have this whole bag of moves, even though they do, like Von Miller, Nick Bosa, John Randall, they had a bag of moves. But they were so effective, and they were so strong, so fast, so explosive, had that dog mentality. They only had to use about two or three in a game. And so that's how I like to model my game after. And then, of course, in the college in college world, um, guys – Miles Garrett was is another one that I would like to model my game after, and, and one that just got drafted, Will Anderson. Even though he's just as old as me, um, just as old as me, probably just a tad bit older. He's got some stuff that I really, um, that I really wanted to emulate as well, because I feel like, um, he's a guy that, you know, not necessarily like my exact size, but probably closer. And he's just a guy that's obviously he's been putting up numbers ever since he came to Alabama, and now he's going to put up some numbers when he's um in the league. So he's another guy on a collegiate level that I really um admired to look at when it comes to his pass rushing ability, his ability to play football, and then the other guys in the pros, of course. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Damon, what would you say your welcome to college moment was where you realized that you couldn't get away with some of the things you were doing at the high school level when maybe your bag wasn't as fully developed or or you weren't as fully developed physically? Because I think that's normally people's favorite part of the podcast when, when they hear that welcome to college moment. Let's see. There was um there was one time it was at practice and um I we were doing like the one-on-ones with the O-line and D-line. I haven't really got caught lacking in a ball game before. Actually, I have. I lied about that. But, I mean, like that's happened like my sophomore and actually this past season. But um, my welcome to football mode in my freshman year, I remember this clear as day. Um, Q Johnson was still here. He was playing guard at the time. And um, we were doing one-on-ones, offensive line, defensive line. And so I'm coming off the edge, um, defensive line. And, you know, with O-line versus D-line, 
is specifically one-on-one, right? So I'm supposed to be going against the offensive tackle. And at the time, it was Jordan Tucker. And I did it. I came off the ball, and I did a little I did a little hezzy, and I came off on the inside. It was like a game we were running. And for some odd reason, Q decided to get a little bit more involved than he was supposed to. <laughs> and, you know, I stepped with my outside foot, and I come back in, and next thing you know, Q – Ear holes the right side of my helmet. I'm talking about didn't hit my pads, didn't hit my arm, didn't hit my body at all. I just get ear hold right where the ear hole is, and he hit the top, and his helmet hit mine. And next thing you know, I just helicoptered. <laughs> I've never been, I've never been tossed in the air like that before in my life. I've never been helicoptered. I've never been tossed, but that one right there. That was my welcome to college football moment. And luckily it happened at practice instead of on live television. But um, <laughs> I, would, I didn't I didn't even know how to react. Like usually in a situation like that, like somebody would get mad, try to fight, or like, bro, why'd you do that for? Like me, I was like, yo, like what just happened? <laughs> like I didn't even know what happened. And then everybody was like, yeah, cute. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, this man just flipped me. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just in awe of what just happened because I'm like, I've never got put in that situation before. And coaches was like, yeah, Q wasn't supposed to do that. And I'm like, you <laughs> I'm like, dang, I don't think that was supposed to happen either. But yeah, man, that was, that was, um, that's probably a moment my freshman year. I remember clear as day. It was, um, Q ear hold me. Shout out to Q Johnson, man. Um, just, uh, yeah, he gave me the business that day. You learn so. pretty quick with, with players at, at that level, you're going to get got like every, everybody, is oh, yeah. pretty good athletically. Oh, <laughs> gotta keep that head on the swivel though, always. Well, look, you were you were vulnerable enough with us to share one of your oblique moments at, at practice. Let you brag on yourself a little bit. Tell us about the butcher nickname. How'd you get that? Uh so um, this was also my freshman year. Uh, we were going to Boston College. I know this was during the COVID year, so this is a this was a very very weird time. But um, we're going to Boston College. And um, the week of, I get pulled by Coach um, Bateman, who was our DC at the time, and he was just like, "Hey, you getting your first start in this week?" I was like, "What?" And it was like, "Yeah, you're starting this week, so make sure you lock in on the plays that we're giving, so you don't mess up." But he didn't say mess up, and so um, so I was like, "All right, cool." You know, I took it level. You know, I was very humble. I wasn't gonna think nothing about it. Went through practice. Practice was smooth. I was like, cool, we got it done. Next thing you know, I'm calling my folks and I'm like, listen, y'all, I'm starting. Da, 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 da. Like, I'm like, I'm telling my folks everything. I'm excited at this point. And so, you know, leading up to the game, we finally at Boston College. And um, I think I got like a tackle in the backfield or something. And um, you know, the game went on, we won the stat of third. And so I watched the the cut-up version of the game, and they said that Coach Cross, our D-line coach, he said that I was as aggressive as a rolling ball of butcher nose. And they just ate it up. They were just like, man, isn't that a wonderful nickname for a defensive lineman and all this kind of stuff. And so that caught on just for a little bit. And I was, my, me and my dad were thinking about it. We were talking about it. And he was just like, we should do something with this. And I was just like, shoot, what you want to do? And so we were thinking about it. He was like, you know what? Let's shorten it down to the butcher because, listen, ain't nobody finna just yank me on the street and call me a rolling ball of butcher. Now, that'll be, first of all, I'm going to think that's weird. So let's not go ahead and go into that. 
But it's just like, let's just shorten it down to the butcher and see where it goes. And so, you know, last name Rucker cut that thing in half, rubbed the butcher. And next thing you know, it just came about. I don't know how it caught on fire like it did. Um, but it just next thing you know, people started calling me Butch. People started saying Rut the Butcher. I changed my name, and the rest is history. So started off with um Boston College. Shout out to Coach Cross. I'm making a lot of shout outs today. But um shout out to Coach Cross for um getting me my my little NIL movement going. So yeah. You have the the butcher t-shirts like you just mentioned. You recently went to uh Bellevue Farm Picnic. How would you say NIL has changed your life and experience as a student athlete? Um, I feel like for me, it's just like it's a great way to get your name out. And I feel like, you know, obviously, as student athletes, we should already be doing this anyway. But it's just like one of those things is like the only way that you're going to get like a lot of the NIL attention that you want is just like you have to carry yourself in such a way in a business. And so I feel like in that sense, you know, you got to carry yourself where you got to show you got to um exemplify good character you got to take care of your business of course you got to take everything you got to take care of everything on and off the field and so I feel like it just it just shows you how the real world works and I feel like it allows you to you know if even if you get a source of income or whether that you get merchandise from a certain place I feel like it allows you to understand how to take care of business and how to um, go about it how to communicate with one another how to keep constant communication how to meet deadlines if you haven't done so how to get involved, how to reach out to other people and the networking part of it. I feel like that's the, probably the most important one is the networking and just um, being able to find out people who are also in the same, like, um, like going into the same NIL deal and you meet certain people and then y'all and those people know people and those people that also know that person, those people. So it's just like the whole communication web is like crazy. And I feel like, you know, just for me personally, um, being able to um, have my shirts and being able to give that out to the community, it's also um, been able for other people around the nation to also be signing into the championship locker room, which is the company that I'm under to sell the uh, butcher's T-shirts. It's just allowed them to also get there. I've allowed me to get attention from other people going to the champions locker room. And now it's just like, we have people from all different sports across the nation selling shirts just as much as I am. And so it's just, it's just creating a wonderful connection. And I feel like NIL is like a great deal when handled correctly. Vip, if I was a good host, then we could have pre-planned this and could have set this up very much like an old eighties WWF Piper's pit thing. We could have called it the butcher shop. We could have had like a backdrop you and I could be wearing aprons with giant knives and blood all over us and all that stuff, and it would have worked perfectly. So, Cayman, if you ever decide to do a podcast or anything like that, and you call it the butcher shop, remember Vip and I talking to you about it. Uh, exactly. one, of the, one of the things I want to talk to you about your college experience is you kind of led into it there with the NIL discussion. You got a chance to sing the national anthem at the Final Four in New Orleans in 2022. And, and I wonder, if, if you wouldn't mind, share with us kind of how that came about, uh, you know, I, I know you like to sing and and I know that, um, that you've got a pretty damn good voice. So how did that how did that happen for you? Um, so, you know, obviously we're we're in the, uh, we're in the, um, the final the final eight, I believe. And so it's just like, you know, my um, the academic advisor, she like I'm watching the game or whatever, going against St. Peter's. And next thing you know, I get a call from my academic advisor. And I'm like, 
okay, this is weird. It's a weekend too. So I'm just kind of like looking at it a little funny because I'm like, I don't have anything to do. I made sure to do all my work before I watch the game. So I'm I'm good unless a teacher's tripping. And so I um answered the call and I was like, what's up? And she um she said, like, listen, it seems like we're we're gonna win it. So I just want to let you know that I've signed you up to sing the national anthem at the final four in New Orleans. I said, excuse me? And she was just like, yeah, this was like, there's a tradition. She told me about the whole tradition thing. It was just like, you know, the four college, um, the college teams that make it to the final four, they choose four student athletes from, they choose a student athlete from each school to come down, sing the national anthem, Mr. Tradition. And I was like, okay, cool. So it was just like, at this point, we're dogging St. Peter's. And so in my mind, I'm like, I'm finna go to New Orleans. Good God. And so it's just like I had to get my mind right for that. And then the game won, everybody celebrating. And I'm like, well, I'm going to New Orleans. And so it's just like the leading up to it was crazy. And then we finally get down to New Orleans and um they set us up with a nice um vocal teacher there at um Tulane that worked and she was still I, I would I would think she still works there currently. Um, had the ability um, to meet different people and just have a great experience. That was my first time in New Orleans. That was my first time going to the Caesar Superdome. That was um, my first time experiencing everything that New Orleans had to offer. And um, I had an amazing time. Um, I was nerve wrecked when I got on stage to sing. That was probably my most nervous moment. And um, so I had a wonderful time and I couldn't, um, I was just blessed to be in that position. With such a passion for music, I'm curious, because I'm thinking back to my days in that locker room, who would you say is the the person you would trust the least with the Ox? Trust the least? Uh, I don't know. We haven't really had anybody to really utterly mess it up. But there's some guys, like, we've got some guys that can rap in there. But it's also guys in them do too hot. So it's just like we got some other guys that'll just probably like post up their other music on there. And I'm just like, bro, turn it off, brother. <laughs> it's just like I don't I don't know who be I don't know who does it. I really don't. I the way that I sit, I don't see who gets on the ox to play it. But it's just like sometimes it, it's a hit or miss. It's just like it's either good or it's not. And so like I don't really like I said, I don't have no specific names and also at the same time I ain't trying to call nobody out. So um I don't I don't know who be messing it up, but somebody be messing it up in there. I was gonna fire Shaquille up Rashad. Some... Shaquille Rashad was our guy. <laughs> he he would just play Justin Bieber out of nowhere. <laughs> oh God. Uh, uh, Ruck, I was gonna fire up some John P. Key for you today, but uh, Vip shut me down on that. He didn't. He didn't feel like I was carrying that second tenor very well. Um, <laughs> listen, we one of the things that I think, um, I think you know, you've obviously got a passion for music. You talk about who you trust least on the Ox with, with Vip. What's your pregame playlist? Right? Is it John P. Key? I mean, what is, is it? Is it Marvin Sapp? Again, I know you're a religious guy. Like, what are you listening to uh, before you know before you guys break off and start getting into your into your team functions to start a game? I'm gonna be completely transparent. It is not gospel. Um, I'm just gonna be completely transparent. It's all right. It's completely. It can range from uh, like I, it can um, range from hip like kind of like rap hip hop type deal, or it's heavy metal. Um, rock music. I'm actually like when it comes down to pregame, I listen to that. My dad calls me crazy, uh, but it's just like one of those things. So if I got to lock in, that's one of the ways that I do. And so I listen a lot, like kind of like the like the metal rock music. I have a list and the See, playlist. 
That's because late- you used to be an offensive lineman because metal is all offensive lineman music. That's where that came from, I bet you. And the playlist is literally called Ain't No Way You Listening to This. And <laughs> I promise you, this is what I listen to. It was like one of my friends saw it and he was like, what's on here? And I'm like, you know. <laughs> and I was like, no, nah, I want to listen to it. And they turn it on. They're like, you listen to this? That's why the playlist is called this. And so... Yeah, so I listen. I listen to my fair share of heavy, um, heavy metal and rock, or just typical. I listen to rap most of the time. The last uh, fun question we have before getting back to football. I saw your birthday was February twenty eighth, and I'm yep. wondering, were you a leap year baby, February twenty ninth, and you're celebrating on the twenty eighth? And if you weren't, if your birthday was on February twenty ninth, would you celebrate it on the twenty eighth or March first? Because I'm March first. I'll probably still stay in February. I was not a leap year baby. Um, so I know that I wish I could lie and say that I was, but um no, nah, I was born on the, I was truly born on the 28th. But if I was born on the 29th, I would probably still say the 28th. Even though that was um one of my uncles wish I was born on March. So, you know, honestly, I could flip either or it don't really matter. I'm just lie about it. You said your uncle lied about where he was born, so you just make it up and just lie about when you were born. Well, yeah, true. I can probably, I, I we'll, we'll keep it in mind. If somebody else asks, it, like, I've never met a person in my life, and they'll be like, when were you born? February 29th. Wait, really? Conversation starter. Easy. Boom. Vip, go ahead and ask him about all the new uh, the new Players Lounge stuff that, that you're envious of. Yeah, I was going to say, I've I seen the videos. There's the recording studio for podcasts. Uh, you guys have the video game set up there, the barbershop. What's your favorite part of the new facility? Because as as a former player, I watched that video and I'm like, man, these these guys have it kind of good right now. <laughs> um, I really appreciate the um, I really appreciate the sleep pod rooms that we have. I really appreciate those, even though I don't use them as much as what people think I would be using them for. But um, but if I were just to say, like, we have, like, a VR room, but we haven't got the VR yet, that's kind of, like, really just, like, our freelance room. Like, it's just a table with a couple of chairs, and it's a TV in there. I do all my work in there. I don't even go into the study room. I get in the rolling chair, and I do my work, and I watch TV. So it's just, like, that's probably the room I use the most, but the one I most appreciate is definitely the sleep pod rooms because I have took a nap in one of those things, and they are wonderful. Yeah, our sleep pod room was an air mattress in in the position room. And <laughs> You just had to hope somebody didn't come in and watch Bill. Bib, you sound like the oldest guy ever right now. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Y'all used to camp out in the locker room. I mean, not in the locker room, in the position room. Yeah, yeah. Yikes. <laughs> oh, Bib's going to start talking about how when he played with uh, leather helmets here in a second if we don't stop. Uh, all right, let's talk about some stuff for the coming year. We're talking with Cayman Rucker, uh, Jack for UNC football team. Uh, this has been set up by our friends over at Heels for Life. Check out heelsforlife.org and find out how you can support you would see football players through the NIL collective. Ruck, last year's defense did not live up to the expectations I think that you guys had for yourselves, that the fans had, that the coaches have. What I'd ask you is what's different that you've seen so far in the spring and then in this early summer conditioning that might produce some different results? I feel like for us right now as a defense, I feel like we are now taking hold of the, the aggressive guys that we have on defense, and instead of putting us on chains, just letting us go. And so it's just like one of the things that Coach Chiz, um wants us to do is just to be more aggressive. And so just like, you know, letting us letting us being able to do that, 
putting in blitzes that um is going to be great for us, um, putting in plays that's going to be great for us to just exemplify how aggressive we can be. And that's one of coaches, Coach Chiz's motto is just like, we got to be aggressive. We got to we got to create havoc. We got to get tap. We got to get TFLs. We got to get sacks. We got to get interceptions. We got to get PPUs, all that. And so um, just like looking at it from this spring, being a part of this spring, um, especially missing it from last year and this year and being able to fully participate in this year. Um, I could definitely see that our aggression has definitely increased. I feel like us as a unit, we're communicating a lot better, um, especially us um, being a part of Coach Chiz's defense for the second year. Um, I feel like it's going to be it's going to be a great year for us. Um, I feel like we made tremendous strides in the spring, seeing that being a part of it, and um, just even looking at condition in the day. You know, it's just like this is a this is just a. Um, a shell on the sand right now but the thing is it's just that as we continue to build on days like this as we continue to set the foundation this week as we continue to have meetings and OTAs and all this other stuff it's just like as we continue to progress forward man I I'm very excited for this defense not only this defense but the entire team and when you guys don't get the results you want one thing I always try to stress is like the fans are upset but they're not as upset as the people that are in that locker room and, and have to walk around the campus and, and kind of carry that with them. Where was your frustration level at last year where you guys were able to put together good moments or, or good quarters, but that the the struggle there to put together complete games? Um, I was, um, you know, not to sound like that. I was, just, uh, I was upset the entire time I was playing, but um, I've had a fair share of being upset, especially after um, Georgia Tech and NC State and, of course, Oregon. Um, those are just moments where we, you know, we should have won. We should have stepped up as a defense. Um, we should have stepped up as a team. Um, just a lot of uh, miscommunications, a lot of um, missed opportunities, missed big opportunities, whether that was missing a sack, missing an interception, missing a tackle in general. Um, just a lot of things that, you know, that went bad, went bad. And so it's just like with me, it's just like there was times where, you know, I was just very upset after the locker room, didn't want to talk to anybody. My parents were asking what's wrong. And it's just like, I mean, it's kind of obvious. And so, you know, I don't like I don't like to talk like I'm just like, you know, upset at the world. But I mean, like, I can't help the way that I'm feeling. And so it's just like, you know. That was just like times where it's just like not because I'm upset of the people on this team, I was upset because we couldn't finish. I was upset because it's just like we are on paper looking at our roster. We should be able to take the ACC by storm, but we didn't. And of course, you could say we won the Coastal and you could um, we said that, um, you know, we had a great start to the season, which we did. Well, I'm blessed that we had a great start to the season. But, you know, it can't just stop there. We don't have any divisions anymore. It's a one is one it's one conference now. So now we have to show like not only are we the best when it comes to half of it, we have to show we're the best period in the ACC. We got to prove that. And the only way to prove that is to dominate this year. And so it's just like, I just don't want to be in that same position that I was last year. I want to step it up. Um, me and our center, Corey Gaynor, um, we talked about it and was like, bro, this is our year. I know we, I know it's like a very repetitive thing to say every single year, but it's just like, you know, sometimes where you just get moments where like, even on day one, you're just like, Something's different, and it's something something in the air is different today. Something's in the air is different, right? Um, like right now, and I feel like it's this is that time. 
And I genuinely believe that as well. Cayman, you mentioned that you guys weren't satisfied about how you finished the season. You cited the the Georgia Tech and NC State game and um, Oregon especially. What does what does that dis, dissatisfaction, excuse me, look like in drills and in meetings? You know, you talk about you and Corey. Like, what are the things that are different because of the way you guys finished the season that maybe maybe wasn't different last year? Um, just like right now, like during the spring, um, I'm relate on that because obviously, you know, that's when we were very drill heavy and stuff like that. But it's just like, like you know, simple things, little things, finishing through the line, finish through the drill, finish through everything. Because one of the biggest things, like I said, what I um talked on, spoke on before, is just that we never finished. And so it's just like going through spring is just like you know, even when the little things don't feel like it seems that much, it means a lot. And so it's just like that's what we wanted to drill into the young guys heads when they got here to early enrollees and that's what we want to continue to do as the summer continues on is just to understand like you know you may feel like we're going to be some pricks talking to you about how like we need to finish we need you to finish through the line get your foot off the line touch the line or finishing through the drill and like you know you didn't do it full speed and it's just like you know we're going to be coming off as pricks it is what it is but you know you have to take a title in order to want to be great you know just like you know, everybody's familiar with the last dance and everybody's talking about how Michael Jordan was essentially a prick in the way that he led. But the thing is, you can't argue with the results that he has posted up for year after year after year. This man has won multiple championships by the way that he was leading. And it was either that you hopped on the ship with him or you're going to get coasted off because he he couldn't he he wasn't going to set mediocre effort. He wasn't going to accept mediocre players. And I feel like that's the same mentality that we have to carry on this year as well, is just to understand, like, hey, you can put in 90% of this, but the thing is, like, it may, you may have been good throughout the regular season, you may have been good all during playoff play, but when you get to the championship, are we going to have, like, what's going to happen to you? Like, you may have been good 90% of the time, but what about the last 10%? We need you for that last 10. So if you're not going to be 100%, then it's going to be hard for us to trust you. And I feel like that's the mentality that we are creating right now. And I feel like just like working on it from the spring, I feel like we've also done a great job of like handling that as well. Just like I feel like we got a lot more outspoken leaders than we have in the past. I feel like as long as we continue to do that, man, we're going to be in great shape. Yeah, the fans are going to love to hear about that leadership thing because it's one thing that I've talked about from from my playing experience where we 2014, we didn't have the season we wanted. 2015, we kind of came together and was like, we have enough talent in this room to be a great team. And for that 2015 season, our coaches were great. And I don't mean to discredit them, but we kind of took the mindset like it does not matter who's coaching us right now. We're going to go out there and have a great season and rally around each other. And it sounds like that's what you guys have. So what would you say your expectations are for this season, for the defense, the the D-line in particular, the team? and um, what are your, what are some of your goals for the upcoming season? On defense, just create havoc in any way possible. Like I said, it's just like get um, PPUs, get TFLs, get sacks, and get interceptions. We gotta we gotta make offenses panic, and that's what we want to do. We gotta make offenses feel like dang, like this is this is not the defense we faced last year. And offensively, you know, just keep on playing, man. We got some great guys on offense. We picked up some great guys out of the portal. We got some great guys that came up from high school, um, guys that's matured and still been in this program. We got some guys on that side and on the defensive side. But offensively, man, it's just 
you know, we're being led by Drake May. We got some other great weapons on offense, great leaders on offense in ways of Corey Gaynor, um, Elijah Green, and like guys like them, man, they just they're gonna carry they're gonna carry the offense. And we need those guys to consistently do that, just as well as the defense as as a whole. We need to consistently do that as well. So it's just like the goals for us, man, is just to finish. That's all we can do. That's the biggest thing that we had an issue with last year. And we got to make sure this that's not going to be a continuous issue going into this year as well. You've talked a little bit about the the guys that have joined you in the locker room. Let's talk about some of the guys that are now uh, in the position rooms and in the coaches' room with you. Um, Ted Monachino coming from the NFL with the list of experience that he has, and also Cam Spence, who's you know most folks may not know about, but a uh, guy that's that's joining to work with the DL a little bit too. What can you say about those two guys, and what have you noticed about kind of you know? what they've brought into the kitchen with the butcher. What's what sort of things have they added with you? Um, Tim Monacino, man, he's just like I feel like he's a great asset for the Jack room and also the D um D line room as well, just sharing his knowledge with us. Um, him and Coach Chiz as well, just like cause they they both like, talk on the same spectrum just in terms of like what needs to be accomplished as a as a front and um what we need to take ownership of and one of the biggest things that we didn't take ownership of is sex and that's the biggest thing that he wants to talk about he um him and coach Tom really coach Chiz he just like provides us with um clips of guys of where um where we can be the most successful and um Cam Spence man he's a great addition to the D-line room just um him and coach Cross just um organizing drills for us to in order to be successful and um, I feel like those guys are just great additions to our defense, great additions to our front. And, um, you know, I feel like they're going to definitely give us great nuggets as we continue to get better. And, you know, I'm I'm very blessed to have them on our staff and just how they're going to progress us to move forward and be a better defensive front. Carolina football fans on the defensive side of the ball, they know guys like you, Cedric Gray, offense, you have somebody like Drake May, who is the player that people aren't talking about now on either side of the ball that you think are is going to get a lot of their attention this upcoming season? Hmm. So a guy that's not getting a lot of attention. Who? Um. Well, guys, it's already been here. I feel like guys. Um. Honestly, I feel like our front is definitely going to get some a lot of talks. Is like you know like. Y'all mentioned y'all mentioned names like Miles Murphy and um Travis Shaw, people like those guys, but it's just like, you know, like Javari, KJ Hester, um, KJ um KBJ, Kendra Bigley Jones, like those are gonna be some guys that's gonna be that's gonna step up. Dez is also gonna be making his comeback this year as well, coming off of his um Torum pick. And just um, but one of the guys that I'm really excited about as well. Um, I'm just talking on the defensive side because you know, I don't want to speak too much on the offensive side. But um, one of the guys I'm really excited about is um, Elijah Hussey. And I feel like he's, um, you know, everybody's going to say something about him because he comes from East Tennessee. Um, you know, he's a smaller school guy, but he's put up numbers. He, he was one of the best corners in his conference, in his, um, in his division. And, you know, he's led his team in interceptions. And he's a dog, man. He get, he's got our defensive – he got our defense down very quickly – and I'm just I'm excited to see him play against different opponents on Saturday nights. And I can't and I'm really looking forward to see how he's going to produce for us. That's your Drake pick, too. Yeah, he's man. He's he's different. I'm going to tell you that, man. Just he's he's going to be a guy to watch out for that. A lot of guys are not giving a lot of attention to right now, but 
three months from now, he's going to be the talk of the town. Watch this. Cayman, I, I know you don't want to talk about the offense. I'll, I'll narrow it down a little bit for you. You go against the offensive line on a regular basis. You know, UNC's returning a fair amount of experience in the offensive line, but there's still some question marks there. Tell us your impression of the offensive line coming out of spring and what do you expect out of those guys uh, going into the fall? Those guys have gotten a lot more aggressive than they have in the past, and that's in terms of run blocking and pass blocking. Um, um, Coach Clem, man, he has definitely set the tone for those guys. Um, he set an expectation of those guys, and if you don't reach it, then you're just not going to play. And But he's just brought some – um, some nastiness about him. He brought some physicality with him, and I feel like he's spread across the entire offensive line. Of course, Corey's al always been that guy to demonstrate that. But just like guys, we've also um, that we also picked up um, in terms of Willie Lampkin, and of course, guys that are returning, such as Will Barnes, Ed Montillis, and uh, Spencer Rollin. Um, and then, of course, guys that are up and coming. You know, it's just like it's spread. It's spread like wildfire in the offensive line room. And I can definitely say those guys have gotten a lot more physical. They've um, locked in a lot more than they have in the past. And, man, this I'm excited to see them um, protect our QB this year, man. They're going to be um, they're going to be great for us. I'm proud of the strides that they've made, um, getting used to the offensive system that they've also had to um, get used to. But, um, you know, I'm very excited to see how their production is going to definitely go through the roof um, as the season progresses. Cayman Rucker, I know your summer is going to dwindle like sands through the hourglass. More like you probably want the sands on the beach, but uh, unfortunately the sands through the hourglass are going to go a lot quicker than, than you probably want them to. Uh, Vip and I are done. You've given us almost an hour out of your time, and we appreciate it. Is there anything, and we'll give you the floor before we wrap here, uh, is there anything you want to say to, to our listeners and viewers and, and you know just the, the Carolina football uh, fan community? Man, I just appreciate y'all listening to me. I appreciate y'all. You know, I I was hoping not to spend as much time, you know, spending um, as much as an hour. But, you know, um, great um, time flies when you're having a great time. So I appreciate y'all for allowing me to be on this, man. I appreciate Graham Boone for allowing me to hop on this and uh, collab with y'all as well. Um, just stay loyal to us, man. We're going to get the job done this year. And I appreciate y'all for being loyal fans and listening in, tuning in and being with us through the ups and downs. But I can promise y'all, man, it's going to be a great turnaround this year and um, go heels. Man, that's awesome. Vip, uh, I'm getting ready to go. Uh, I'm getting ready to run some stadium steps. You want to go with me? Yeah. Or where, uh, would you, he, he would you rather just go cut some steaks? He was great. I, I want a, a weekly butcher segment. Uh, there we That's go. We'll, of inside Carolina. There we go. All right. So we'll we'll get with the powers that be and make that happen, Cayman. We'll we'll get us a, a regular butcher shop segment. But uh special shout out to Taylor Vipless for for helping drive this thing. Cayman Rucker for being, you know, the, the the great talker that he was and giving us some insight as to what uh his life has been like, his career, and then what the what the season looks like. Uh, and then also to Graham Boone for Heels for Life for making making this thing happen, like uh like Cayman said. We appreciate all of you guys listening, being a part of the show. Again, Heels for Life. The official UNC football uh, NIL collective, go to heelsforlife.org. You know, check it out. See how you can subscribe and become a supporter of, of these guys, you know, Cayman, Drake, the other guys that we've got coming up for the rest of the summer. You'll be excited to hear from them. We hope you enjoyed talking to Cayman today. I know we did. We'll catch you next time on the Players Lounge here on InsideCarolina.com. Until then, I'm Joey Powell. We'll catch you down the road. Late. What's up, y'all? 
This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do averaging 29 and 11. God, shit. what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.